You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. We believe that today's message will help you thrive in your relationship with Jesus as you follow Him. We'll be back after the podcast with more information. And now, today's message from Pastor Scott Brown, right here at Passion Church. Good morning, Passion Church. God bless you all. Love you. Glad to be with you once again for another Sunday morning in January. Glory to God. Got a good message for you today. I want to talk to you about resting. Resting is a place of power. Resting in God is a place of power. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about today. So let's get into that right now. Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we just praise you. We give you the glory and the honor and, and, and thank you for all of your remarkable things you've done in our lives. Thank you for amazing us. Thank you for thrilling us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for making this life something worth living. We, ask, we thank you for all of it and ask you for more of it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Um, if politics are making you sad, quit looking at it. You're focusing on the problem, and that won't work. And that's why we're going to talk about resting today, being the place of power. But let's, 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 let's get into some things here. Um, I'm going to read out of Job. If anybody had a hard time, it was Job. Amen. Everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. Um, I don't know if there could have been many more things that went wrong in this man's life and him still be alive to complain about them. But at any rate, Job 6.10, out of the message, he says this, he said, I would at least have the satisfaction of not having blasphemed the holy God before being pressed beyond the limits. He had a lot of hardship in his life. His kids were dead. His house was wrecked. Everything was gone. His wife told him to curse God and die. His friends came over to tell him whatever happened, it was certainly your fault. Um, honestly, it wasn't. Job was being tested. God had faith in Job. And we're going to talk about that right now. But he's saying, I, I have not blasphemed God. I have not, you know, I don't know why God is doing this to me. And God wasn't doing it to him. The enemy was. But his, his, his mindset was, I don't know why God is doing this to me, but Whatever it is, please, God, tell me, and I'll, I'll, I'll own it or whatever so we can get past this, you know. At any rate, he says this. He said, I'd at least have the satisfaction of, having not, of not having blasphemed the holy God before being pressed beyond or past the limits. <clears throat> Job is saying he's been pressed past the limits, and the fact of the matter is, as horrible as things were, he was not. No matter what's going on in your life now, now, no matter what your biggest disappointment is or what you're expecting to see out of this election or all this other stuff, you have not been pressed beyond the limits. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except that, first of all, it is common to mankind. Oh, oh why does this only happen to me? Nonsense. That thought in itself didn't even come from God or you. That came right from the enemy. That's, that's like, it's like the invitation card or the, the, the key to the door of the pity party. Pity parties are horrible. There's no cake, there's no presents, and nobody comes. Amen? So don't get sucked in there. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. In other words, this is the same strategy the devil's been using for years. So it happens to everybody. Recognize that and get past it. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not 
let you. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can bear. But when you are temp tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Okay, the way out is in the temptation. It's not after the sin, and then, then you need to way through at that point. But the way out is before. It's when you're just being tempted before the sin. But he says this, whatever you're being tempted with right now, pity party or, or whatever, you can, you, you can bear it. And that word bear there is the word dunamai. It's the word power. In other words, he's saying, I will never let anything come your way that you don't already have the power within you to withstand. I will not let things come your way that you will not have the, the power within you to withstand. And the enemy's argument is, well, I couldn't help it. It was too much for me. I just can't take it. Yes, you can. Because he would not permit something. He, God himself, will not allow something to come your way that you do not already have the power within you to withstand. And that is, even just knowing that is enough to make you be able to stand. Amen? So that's a good thing. But it's that word dynamite, dynamite. So we get our word dynamite from this. Dynamite power is in us. So don't fear that. You know, I can't take it. Yes, you can. I'm going to lose it. No, you're not going to because he won't allow it. You are going to have to reach inside for some intestinal fortitude that he's already placed down inside there and stand. Amen? And you're well able to. And I am well able to. And we are well able to stand through this till we actually see what the plan of God is and not all the nonsense that's been thrown at us from all over the place about this is what's true and that's what's true and this is what's true. And it's like, oh my gosh, what a bunch of, of untruths we've been fed from every, every side and, and, and angle you can think of. But God has not yet spoken. Hang on. Anyway, he won't allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can bear. He will never leave you. He will not forsake you. He will never abandon you. And he will not stand idly by either. He's always at work. When I can't see him, he's working. When I can't feel him, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. It's the truth. Give him the glory. Glory, Lord. I love you. I praise you. And here, here's the deal. How do, how, do, how do I get through this then? You love on him. You spend time with him. Not just in his word, with him. You begin to soak in the presence of God. You love on God. And I'll tell you something. When you get to the place where you really begin to love him, not just acknowledge him mentally or appreciate him, but love him. Where spending time with him is what you look forward to when you wake up in the morning. It's, it's when you want nothing more to embrace him and hang on to him forever. When you get to that point where he is everything to you and more important than anything, you love him that much. Realize this. When you finally arrive there, realize this. He loves you more. He loves you more. His unconditional love is way bigger than what you finally managed to realize in your love for him. He loves you more. When you finally want to spend time with you, he wants to spend time with you more. When you finally start to worship him because you love him, he wants you there more than you want to be there. He waits for us. He loves us. I do no longer believe that we were created just for fellowship. He created us to be the objects of his love. Now, you've got to understand something. God doesn't give love. He doesn't do love. He is love. And love is a state of being. And by its very nature, love needs something to lavish itself on. He created us to love us. And if we don't show up, he can't. We, some of us say, you know, God loves me. He did this. He did that. And it's all true. But it's what we've experienced at a distance from him. 
It's, it's just like the overflow that somehow managed to reach us, and we're so blown away by it because compared to the mundane world and the way things go on here, it is absolutely technicolor spectacular. But that's just an overflow. It's a reflection bouncing off something else and hitting us. When we get close to him, his overwhelming love will change everything in our lives and in our world. He created us to love us. And that's why he told me this. That's why Enoch was no more. You know, we, we see that Enoch walked with God and God and, and he was no more. God took him. Enoch didn't just walk with God. Enoch loved God so much that God just said, I am unwilling to be without you and sucked him right up. It was the love Enoch had for God that God could not be without. God needs us to love him. That's why he created us. Now, that may sound strange saying that God has a need. I don't care. I'll stand by it until he tells me I'm wrong. Enoch was giving God what he needed, and God took him. Oh, Lord. Unrequited love is a horrible thing, and we do it to the Lord a lot. He is blasting us with love, and when we blast him back, we, he doesn't love us anymore, but he is just so unwilling to be without us because he gives love expecting to get love. Amen? Because that's the way love is. He waits for us. He yearns for us. And only we can make him happy. Only we. And it's not by doing things that makes him happy, although we should do things. And it's not by simply being obedient that makes him happy, although we should be obedient. It's the act of seeking him out to give him the time that he wants from us. Our coming after him is what he wants because he's coming after us way more. Now, when we get to this point, when we get to the point where we're after him and we're, we're clinging to him and he's not avoiding us, amen, I am not a God chaser. He's not dodging me. I'm not in pursuit of him. I am in awe of him and I'm embracing him. And when we get to that point, our problems go away. Our problems go away. Because problems roll into every, everyone's life. But what sustains problems is focusing on problems. We'll get to that in a minute. Isaiah 26, 3-4 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. And when we're there close with him, it eradicates problems. It eradicates problems. Because he's always at work behind the scenes there. He said this to me. He said, people, my people too, tend to fixate on the problem when there is no power in the problem to fix it. In other words, why are you, which is, this is basically called anxiety or worry. Why are you thinking about and, and being scared of and spending your time with the problem when there's nothing in the problem to fix it? It's like dropping a vase on the floor and sitting on the floor and you keep looking at it and picking up the pieces and just over and over saying, it's broken, it's broken, it's broken. And if all you look at is the vase, there is no fix. But if you go to the fixer of all things, the vase is taken care of. When we let go of our problems and go to the fixer of all things, our problems disappear. There is no power in the problem. There is no remedy in error, only in truth. He said this, I am the power, I am the truth, fixate on me. You must fix your mind on me. And the mere fact that the problem is always yelling at us to look at this. Yeah, yeah, you've got God in your life, but look at this mess you're in. The mere fact that the problem calls to us to look at it, the mere fact that it tries to pull our focus from God, that it's desperate 
and, and proves it is of the devil. It's trying to get our attention away from God. The, the mere fact that the distraction is yelling to us proves it's of the enemy because no one but the enemy would try and distract us from God. And he'll use whatever he can to do that. The distraction, the call from the problem is of the enemy. The problem is of the enemy, which in turn proves he has no power. Because if he had power, he wouldn't care whether he looked at the problem or not. Amen? It proves he has no power because of the origin of the problem proves he has no power because it screams to look at it because that's the only way you can maintain. But if you don't look at it and you look at God instead and spend time with him instead, the problem dissipates. The problem is a lie, it's a deception, and it tries to pull our focus from God who is the truth and the power. I'm going to close up here. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Christ's resurrection from the dead is your resurrection too. That is why we are all to yearn for all that is above. That is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned, at the place of power, honor, and authority. To be with him is to be with power. To be with power is to avoid the problem of any power. And God is, if we're with him, focused on him, God is at work getting rid of the problem all the time. And not only, not only are you at the place of power, you are at the place of peace where the problem doesn't matter. And sooner or later you'll look back and see it's gone because he's done what he always does. He's the way maker. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with distractions of the natural realm. The problem is a distraction and it calls to us, but it's not the reality. It's not the reality. Amen? You may have a sickness, but the reality is by his stripes you were healed. If you'll focus on the reality, the problem goes away. If you focus on the problem, you get to keep it. This is so powerful and so basic. Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts, fill your thoughts, fill your thoughts with things of the heavenly realms and not with the distractions of the natural realm. God loves us and he misses us when we don't spend time with him. And yet it's to our benefit to spend time with him. And it pleases him. It's one of the few things we can do that definitely please him always is to spend time loving on him, telling him how wonderful he is. Just lay down on your couch or maybe lay down somewhere uncomfortable so you don't nod off and just focus on him. Tell him you love him and say, what do you have for me to do? What do you need for me? What do you want? I love you. What do you want? What do you want? I love you. You're magnificent. And watch the problems get absorbed in the practice of his presence. Amen. Glory to God. I hope this has blessed you today. I blessed myself, if not. So just be happy for me. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you soon.